I think the problem that happens in gymnastics, and I'm not saying this is you, this is everywhere I go to, they see kids aren't jumping high enough. Let's jump right to the most advanced jumps and leaps and drills and splits up to panel mats and all sorts of crazy stuff. And they're like, they're training the thing that needs to get better by doing the thing. You know what I mean? And that's not going to ever get better, right? That's like saying like, okay, let's get better at full ends. Let's just do full ends until you get it right, right? No, you'd need take a step back drills and timing and air awareness and stuff, higher layout sets. It's the same thing here. Like you can't just do jumps and leaps to get better at jumps and leaps. You got to go all the way back down to the basics like Duesh said and be like, okay, are these kids um, strong enough? Like they're growing and doing harder jumps and leaps. Is their strength ascending with that in terms of like, you know, leg strength in, in general to produce more force to get higher to get another half turnaround? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Shift Show, where my number one goal is to bring you the tools, ideas, and the latest science to help you change athletes' lives. My name is Dave Tilly. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to have you know a two-part thing here. So one is going to be a very popular uh, question I get asked a lot about, which is how do I help my athletes jump higher for bigger leaps and bigger jumps and have better active flexibility? And then also, it's going to be a free consult giveaway that we did to build a strength program for this person, Emily, who's from Canada. Um, so you're going to actually see us build a live strength program for the lower body in real time, which is really exciting for people. So Duesh and I, Duesh is the uh, head strength conditioning coach at Champion Physical Therapy and Performance, where I work and he works. We see a ton of gymnasts. He's worked with all of our, you know, uh, compulsory, optional, elite college girls and guys um, and helps them build programs to get nice, stronger uh, legs. And so we kind of put our heads together here and said, okay, do we need to think about, is this an active flexibility problem? Is this a jump height problem, right? And even within that jumping height problem, uh, do we have more of like a strength issue? Do we have more of a plyometrics or a stiffness issue? We chat about how you can break these things down. And then we give Emily a, a program from scratch. We build it for her and then put things together. So I think she really uh, enjoyed it at the end. But if you want to watch this video and see the program we built and actually see everything we're doing, head over to Shift's YouTube channel and we can break that down for you. You can see it and uh, kind of understand things a little bit better. But uh, I think a lot of people are going to like this. A lot of people ask me about this uh, question all the time. So hopefully it's enjoyable for everyone to listen to. And if you do like it, do us a massive favor and just share it on social media, screenshot it, toss it up on Instagram, uh, put it up on Twitter, on Facebook, share it in coaching groups, whatever you want to do, email it to your friends. Uh, just the more information we can spread, the better, because we love doing the podcast and kind of hearing people's feedback. So that would be very, very helpful. And then also, if you could rate and review on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you listen to, uh, that also helps us out quite a bit. So hope you guys enjoy this wonderful episode with Emily. There she is. Hello, Emily. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Where are you located again? I forget. I'm in, up north of Quebec. Oh, cool. That's yeah, awesome. so like... Uh, eight hours drive from montreal really small town oh nice and then obviously you know duesh yes nice to meet you nice to meet you emily in a a cabin somewhere in the woods i just found (laughs) (laughs) yeah so pretty much emily anything you possibly want help with we duesh and i are here to help so like literally anything you can think of it can we can talk about strength and conditioning. We can talk about gym stuff. We can talk about culture. We can talk about your own stuff, like whatever you want help with. We're more than happy to do it. And we'll just go from there. Okay. So, um, yeah, I've been, uh, on vacation for the last week. So my brain is just shut off right now. So jumping back, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go with the flow, but, uh, I think a big challenge for me, uh, has been, for the, the power in the legs, the very specific power for the leaps, uh, 
so we we have really good active flexibility we we do have power like uh, the vault is really good i think my girls are are good on tumbling too but that specific uh, strength or power is really hard for me to to practice and i think i struggle a little with uh, not being too specific with my uh, pp so i i go a lot um with things that i think will be specific and sometimes i think i i forget the bigger picture or the 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 more um general stuff uh, that you you would do with uh, with weights or whatever Uh, and I've been reading your um, your stuff on the the shift page and uh, some articles were talking about the ankle weights so that's another thing that I was uh, questioning about the, the the things we're using we didn't use them much but uh, I just think I need more ideas to work that part okay Beautiful. Well, you're definitely in the right place for that. I think we can totally help out with that to start with. Um, so yeah, let me quickly um, just ask a few questions about like the girls you're working with, or the team and the ages, stuff like that, just so we can kind of frame the conversation. And then I'll yeah. definitely tackle the ankle weights real quick. And then I think Duesh can probably do a better job of explaining the role of like general prep versus specific prep. We'll kind of go back and forth in there. So first is um, what age of, of athlete do you work with? Um, right now, I have uh, maybe 11 to 17. Okay. Um, so as I said, it's a, it's a small town. So I go like larger range because my girls are level 7 to 9 right now, uh, which is kind of rare up here. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's I, I go with the bigger range and the age uh, to, to stay with the, the higher level gymnasts. But I'm also uh, the, the head coach of the club. So most of the things I want to be able to translate them to the, the lower levels and maybe the, the younger kids uh, doing a level four, five, six, maybe. Yep, absolutely. And it actually works out perfectly because that's literally the exact same club age and demographic that I, I coach. And then also uh, that we have a ton of at champion to the facility where Duesh and I work. So it's like perfectly in the wheelhouse of what we're working with. Um, how many days per week do you guys train? Um, for the summer, we do four. Uh, usually we do five. Uh, it, it works with the school days. So they train every school day. Okay. And then how many days... Or how many hours per day do you guys usually train? Um, on the regular season, they will do three hours in the morning because that's all the, the school's going to give us. And yeah. then we'll do some nights, two hours to go with uh, 20 hours a week. Uh, during the summer season, we do three and a half hours for the four days. So that's okay. a bit less. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. Just so I kind of understand the, the overall demographics. Um, Duesh, do you have any questions about the background stuff before I talk about ankle weights or no? No, those are really the, the big ones that I was going to ask for the, the time, the age group. Cool. It's kind of the big one. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So the ankle weight situation, Emily, is um, I think the, the reason that ankle weights, ankle weights aren't Uh, the best for jumps and leaps and stuff is because the cost to reward ratio. So I'm sure you might've seen in the website and stuff that the idea is like, if you have a weight that's really far away from the hip joint, the amount of distance between the hip and the ankle is, is really far relative to the, the hip joint. So the farther you put a weight away from the hip joint, the more like total force it can 
produce on the hip joint, right? So the reason that might be a problem is the smaller muscles of the hip, right? Like the, the stabilizers and especially the smaller hip rotators, um, they can't really keep the, the hip joint in a good snug position when you have weight, even if it's like two or three pounds, the amount of force that it puts on the hip joint is, is a ton relative to how long their legs are. So like if you put an ankle weight on your uh, wrist and you spun around really fast, your shoulder would feel pretty terrible after a while, right? Because it's putting so much stress on your shoulder joints, the same thing with hips. So when people are trying to put um, weights on their, on the, the legs, like specifically the ankles, it's, it's, it's possibly going to help with active flexibility, but it might cost too much in the long run in terms of like hip stress. And like, it's, it's, I've just seen so many kids that they get hip flexor strains, they get hamstring strains, particularly when their growth plates are open. It can pull quite a bit on the growth plate because the contraction is so high to control the ankle weight, but then also it can kind of uh, irritate some of the ligaments and possibly the labrum, the deeper hip joint stuff. And so um, I do know some people who like wear well shoe, they'll wear shoes, like when they do endos or stalders for positional awareness, I think that's okay. Uh, and the right dosage. And I think um, sometimes with really advanced athletes, you can use ankle weights for like core conditioning and rope climbs and stuff like that. But I think you have to take a really big step back and think about why someone isn't uh, performing with jumps and leaps or active flexibility the way that you want to kind of understand the situation. And then you kind of see why ankle weights are probably not the best option. And I'll give you some other options. So in, in general, you said that your, your active flexibility is good, right? To get good leaps and jumps, you need to be able to jump high enough and then have good active flexibility, right? That's really what it comes down to is, is the passive flexibility becomes active flexibility. And then if you have good active flexibility, but you can't jump high enough, you can't be in the air long enough to show whatever leap it is and then get back down to the ground, right? Without you know, falling. So it's either like, okay, do we have a problem with jump height and jump power? Or do we have a problem with passive flexibility, which would also be active flexibility. So if your kids have good passive flexibility on the floor, and then they can do kicks, they can do jumps, they can do stuff, you know, and tumble track, and they show full range of motion. Well, you have a problem with jump height time, right? You don't have a problem with active flexibility. And so the first kind of piece of it is that like, if you were to say, theoretically, I want to use ankle weights, that's not going to help with jump time right? That's only going to help with getting their legs to a bigger angle, but swinging your leg with an ankle weight is really a way of kind of cheating a little bit because you're using momentum and gravity to get your leg up higher. You're not actually using muscular contraction. So really what you're doing is just stretching things more at end range. And that's kind of concerning. If you were, say you do have athletes down the road, or maybe a couple in this group do struggle a little bit with active flexibility, you can do um, band resistance stuff is probably a much more useful way. And you can just cut the band length to their legs in a split on the floor, and it will mimic the very similar distance in the air, right? So that could be an argument for someone who would use bands or things like that to kind of get that extended range of motion, but it's constant tension throughout the band across their legs. It's not like all the weight on one end of their limb that might stress out their hip joint. So I think bands are a really good option. The other piece of it too, that a lot of people sometimes miss is if somebody can't get their leap angles in the air, right? They oftentimes don't need more resistance. They need less resistance, right? They need something to help them get their full range of motion to bridge that gap from what they don't have to that last little bit. So say they can only get 160 in the back, an ankle weight is going to make it harder or a band is going to make it harder to get 180. So I would instead actually use a band to help them get to end range. I would actually use the band assisted for a couple of weeks till they get stronger, take the band away and go against gravity. 
and then I would finally add the band back on. But that's kind of not our problem here. But a lot of people struggle with that. So, yeah. um, so for you, the the problem tends to be um, jump height, right? Which is kind of where this whole conversation comes from. And I know some people who will put um, like weight vests on, and they'll put a uh, weight like you know ankle straps around the weight waist. And that is an okay option if it's done in the proper context of a bigger picture of a, of a program, right? Because you're starting to add some external load to get a little higher. There's a time when like seated dumbbell jumps as Duesh will talk about, or like vest jumps might be a good option. But I think again, the problem is like, that's like taking a sliver of a bigger program and just pulling it out and going crazy. People just do tons of jumps and tons of leaps with vests on or weights on. And they just jump and jump and jump and jump versus taking a step back and thinking about the science of what makes somebody jump higher. You know what I mean? And so that's yeah. kind of the, the the big picture I have with the ankle weights and stuff like that. The other piece that Duesh will definitely talk on is it seems like your kids are really good at um, this velocity, right? Like horizontal velocity with sprinting and tumbling is a very different development than vertical velocity. Yeah. So that's something I see a lot in gymnastics too. People are doing a ton of sprint training and a ton of squats and a ton of like different sprint variations or broad jumps, but they're really not understanding, you know, like direct glute training or some different types of vertical jump work. And so they have kids that can run really fast, but not jump really high. And I think that's again, where you have to kind of take a step back and understand the different ways to approach this. So I don't know. Would you have any questions about my kind of stuff before Duesh maybe shares a little bit? No, I think uh, it it sums up how I I feel about them. Like the the active flexibility we we've been working with the bands and stuff like that. So I I think we're on the right track there. Mm -hmm. But it's really about the the time in the air for their jump because we we've been having like no big problems for level seven eight. But now that they're trying to do like rotations with their leaps. Now we're, we're really feeling that that time is not enough to do the, the good um, amplitude. The, yep. Yeah. And the rotation. So that's where I really feel that they need to go higher. So uh, yeah, that's the, the big problem. Yeah. Do actually, you want to uh, take over a little bit and just chat about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking off what Dave said, it, it does seem like, the, the issue is definitely a little bit more vertical power, right? So Dave kind of mentioned like, you know, sprinting, broad jump, that type of stuff. What we've kind of learned from some of the research is power is very plane specific, right? So we can be really good at developing power in general, but if it's not the specific plane that we need it to be in, it might not actually transfer to the skills that we need, right? So now what we got to start thinking about is how do I build vertical power, right? What are the components of vertical power and how do we build those individually? Right. So kind of similar to what you guys talked about, about, you know, for, for us to make a, pick, a good pass, like you got to be able to get high enough, demonstrate active flexibility. So what we do there is we build the two separately, right? We build the passive flexibility, we attack the active flexibility separately, and then we work on the power separately as well. So now it turns out that even in that power section, right, even that power category, we got to break that down a little bit further to see what actually is power, right? And we talk a little bit about this in the course, so it'll be a good refresher for you when you get back in there. But the, the big components that dictate how much power you can create with your, with your lower body and your legs is, one, do you have enough musculature, right? So if someone doesn't have the musculature, that means your total potential for power is going to be less, right? So a lot of times I often think about, like, you know, they, they see big muscles on someone. They say, oh, it's a, it's a bodybuilder. They're not, you know, they're not functional. They can't really, like, be athletic because they, their muscles are too big, right? That may be true to a certain extent. Um, and it's not always the case that if you're, if you're big muscles, that you're automatically going to be more powerful, 
But what it allows us to, to say is that a bigger muscle has a potential to be a stronger muscle. And then a stronger muscle has the potential to be more powerful, right? So let's start stripping away at the layers of this. So thanks. Step one, right, is build muscles that are big enough where they have the potential to create force, right? Force just means however much energy is required to make a movement happen, right? It doesn't matter if it's slow or fast. Force to us initially is just, you know, we got to be able to have enough force. If I want to push this desk right in here um, in front of me, and it takes 60 pounds of force, right? I need to generate 60 pounds or 61 pounds of force to get it moving, right? It doesn't matter if I do it fast or slow. So that's kind of step one. I got to build the force ability to make something move, right? So in our situation, it'd be our body weight plus gravity, right? So as a gymnast, that's it. That's the force. So if our force is higher, right, that means that I can make my body move in space a higher distance, right? AKA jump height. So now the other piece of this puzzle is the velocity at which we do it, right? And it seems like from, from what I'm kind of understanding, um, it seems like the, the velocity is probably more so what's missing from you guys. Because if you have enough force to be able to, to you know, let's say run fast, right? Let's say on the, on the track, you can, you can run very fast. That requires a lot of force, right? That means that you're probably not having your athletes produce enough velocity with that high force which probably means that we're missing a little bit of what we call elasticity, right? Or, or, or joint stiffness at the right timing and at the right positions, be able to kind of jump up off the ground very, very quickly. Right. So imagine like very little knee bend and then you smash yourself into the ground and then float. Right. It seems like that last elasticity piece is what you're missing. So what I would program is let's say earlier on, if I'm trying to build someone's engine, I might start off with some seated dumbbell jumps, but don't stop there, right? That's going to be just enough to build enough of the force production capability for athletes. But what we got to probably move towards is more, are you familiar with pogo jumps? Like um, more elastic movements. So imagine like you're, so this is the ground, right? Imagine yeah. like as soon as you hit the ground, right? You're quickly bouncing off the ground. So we're training a little bit more quicker ground contact time and like more stiffness. Um, so a, a pogo jump, um, or different variations with different amounts of knee bend, like a, like a plyo hurdle jump, we call it, right? We're, we're having to kind of manipulate how much knee bend is required to jump up really high, but also jump up off the ground really quickly. So that's kind of what we got to trend you towards, it seems like, right? To build the engine initially with, you know, our squats, our deadlifts, our, our hip lifts, our lunges, all that stuff to create the force, right? Like we need to, to push that desk away. But I think this, so this is perfect. Right. So you'll see here, um, Jen, our former student is doing some weighted pogo jumps, some quick ground contact time. And then, you know, from here is going to be get higher effort so that even with that quick ground contact time, we're going to get up higher and higher off the ground. Right. So this seems like this is probably what you need a little bit more of. Right. And then you can kind of fluctuate the intensity depending on how beginner or advanced someone is. So if I have like a level nine, level 10 athlete, Right. I would say in that video, Jen was doing it at like a medium to low intensity there because she had weights in her hands. What I would, you know, coach my kids to do would be, you know, get rid of the weights, use an arm swing to help you create a little bit more momentum and keep that same short ground contact time, but now get up off the ground really, really hot. Right. So an easy test for you to start doing with your athletes is let's say you do a seated without dumbbells, right? You do like a seated jump up in the air. 
And with just your eye, right, just using your coaching eye, you can kind of see how high that athlete gets off the ground, right? Your goal should be eventually as I get my athletes to be a little bit more advanced and I want to really train that elasticity is I want to have that really quick ground contact time and still have my athlete get up almost as high without as much of a load position, right? So that seated position is a big, big loaded position. I have uh, deep knee bend, deep ankle bend, deep hip bend, and I'm able to use and you know, utilize all these muscles to propel myself off the ground. So that's like a long ground contact time jump for you. It seems like we're missing that elasticity. So what we would start programming in is going to be pogo jumps and really coach the intent of it. So that they know to be really forceful and aggressive on these jumps. And you're almost looking to get them almost to the same height as their max vertical jump. That's interesting, Dewey. So you'd want to see someone do a seated jump the same way as like a giant hurdle hop, almost the same distance, because one is a measure of more the force and one's more the measure of velocity. Right. So someone who's very good at being elastic is going to be very, very good at using their their tendons to create that stiffness to propel right. themselves off the ground almost as high as if they're using like max effort force to get them up there. Right. right? So a really well-trained engine can kind of do both, right? Or at least not be too, too far behind. What we see is athletes kind of are good at one and not as good as the other. And we're all, we're always trying to like bridge that gap to get them closer and closer. So my less elastic athletes, right. They're not going to be able to hit the ground and then jump off the ground very, very quickly and as high. So we start training that to get them up to kind of meet to their, their max capacity for jumping. Right. Interesting. Emily, I have a clarification kind of on the gymnastics side is when you guys are doing jumps by themselves or like leaps by themselves, is it the first jump or leap? Because that's more of a force component when you step on one mm -hmm. leg, squat and jump as high as you can. But then when you connect them, that one's very much the elasticity component. So do you notice that the first jump is the issue or the connected jumps are the issue? Um, I guess it know? would <laughs> depend on the, on the girl. Um, but mostly I think it's the first one, mostly the, the jumps with one leg. Mm -hmm. Um, so this, the rebound is usually good. Um, okay. I, I would say maybe that the jumps that starts with two leg, but, um, um, not not uh, rebound like just starting from there and and jumping and the the leaps that are one-legged uh, so the second jump usually would be okay okay so okay. You, you might have so, a difference of athlete here that like some yeah more, but so uh, so let me back yeah, that was that was going the other way for me duesh that's why yeah okay no so that that's that's an awesome question dave so that actually clarifies a lot for for me that's an important question that i've already forgot to ask you so it seems like your athletes, for the most part, is the exact opposite of what I said. So but they're probably still, really good at elastic. I, I think for the, um, the jumps that are um, starting with two feet, uh, like I don't even know the names with the English, yeah. but, um, you like know, it. straddle turn mm -hmm. or things like that would be a little good for me to still work on the pogo and seated jumps and mostly seated jumps i guess for for yeah. jumps and i wonder yeah, about so this this is kind of a bigger picture because i think what happens is plyos in the gymnastics world are just trained like tons of spring spring floor jumps so panel mats mm -hmm. and jumps so i think the athletes learn how to be stiff and create body tension but their elasticity is not great so if we put them on like a beam or a general training floor i think they'd be like you know flopping all over the place but on a spring floor 
I think they've learned how to adapt because they've done it for so long. So I still think they have Got an elasticity it. component that they could train and get better at, which is why a lot of the athletes at champion feel so much better because they've only gotten used to the sport specific spring floor rebounding. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that they have a huge, you know, possible force one and also like a little bit more of an elasticity component that too, that if they train generally, everything would get better on the spring floor. But that's just my interpretation because they know how to use the springs. They don't know how to be elastic, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they can do like a yeah. big box jump if they go on rebound and box jump, but starting from nothing, they're yeah. not so great. On a spring floor, right, Emily? They can do that on a spring Even floor. Even on a spring floor, it's just, it's just if they don't use the rebound, it really, um, yeah. it really shows. Yeah, I think this is a this is a big bigger picture problem in gymnastics. Is people learn how to use the spring floor really well, which is great. Don't get me wrong, versus like generally developing plyometric capacity and strength. But yeah, Duesh, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, that so that that clears up a lot for me. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, so it seems like their their body's actual ability to create the stiffness and elasticity needs to work because they've relied so much, like Dave said, on using the actual surface to create that elasticity for them. So now if you can actually improve your force production, which seems like, cause you kind of said like the initial first jump is the hardest to get height on. Um, so I would actually reverse exactly what I said at first. I, I think for your athletes, it seems like you want to start or you need to start with a little bit more of the force production. So think heavier squats, heavier deadlifts, um, heavier lunges to build that initial strength. And then teach those uh, joints how to create that force and create a lot of it. So more amplitude, like you said, right? So that's going to be built with our seated dumbbell jumps. And then eventually you get rid of the, uh, the dumbbells and maybe still do a seated jump. But now you can obviously get a little bit higher because you don't have the weight of the dumbbells, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, maybe you do, and we have videos of this in the course, maybe you start doing some depth of drop, right? Starting on top of a box jumping down from it and then rebounding because what that does is it creates a little bit more of what we call eccentric overload. So now you got to add more overload on top of your body and gravity, right? Because of the the height that you're jumping off of and you got to overcome that force of demand and jump again, right? So we're looking for less elasticity there. What we're looking for is we're kind of looking for control of that load that's overloaded on the way down and then redirect that force upward. So that's kind of like that um, the progression that I would take your athletes to. So something like a seated dumbbell jump, maybe just a seated jump, um, maybe just a regular vertical jump, and then like a depth drop jumping off a box and rebounding back up again with decent amount of knee and ankle bend. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. And then to work on the, the plyometric piece, like the, the stiffness and, um, you know, elasticity piece, you know, bring in the weighted pogos, the pogo jumps, um, and teach our athletes how to actually use and create tension within their, their um, Achilles and their, their knees, their patellar tendon to create that like true elasticity and not rely so much on the, the spring floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super well said. I think in an ideal situation, Emily, if you had six weeks, I don't know when you're at like in your season or competitive or summer, what else, but if you had six weeks, you'd put them through a really good strength program that has some of these like kind of more elastic stuff in the beginning. Like when Duesh makes a program, he has some of the stuff in their warm up and they're bounding and jumping, but then they're going through primarily getting stronger, like building force, like in the off season of the six weeks, like especially now where we are in the States. So the ideal situation would be use six to eight weeks to do a full cycle of 
you know, squatting, split squats, single leg squats, step ups, like deadlifts, RDL, stuff like that, to just build their legs to be stronger while you're still kind of tuning some of that elasticity and then funnel everything together into, okay, some are going to do some of the four stuff, like Duesh said with seated dumbbell jumps. Other times you're going to do some of the more uh, stiffness type stuff like that with rebounds. And then you would eventually just mush that all into trying to just get that to transfer to bigger jumps and bigger leaps of just doing drills and stuff like that. But the key mm -hmm. here is that, I think the problem that happens in gymnastics, and I'm not saying this is you, this is everywhere I go to, they see kids aren't jumping high enough. Let's jump right to the most advanced jumps and leaps and drills and splits up to panel mats and all sorts of crazy stuff. And they're like, they're training the thing that needs to get better by doing the thing. You know what I mean? And that's not going to ever get better, right? That's like saying like, okay, let's get better at full ends. Let's just do full ends until you get it right. Right? No, you'd need take a step back drills and timing and air awareness and stuff, higher layout sets. It's the same thing here. Like you can't just do jumps and leaps to get better at jumps and leaps. You got to go all the way back down to the basics. Like Duesh said, and be like, okay, are these kids um, strong enough? Like they're growing and doing harder jumps and leaps. Is their strength ascending with that in terms of like, you know, leg strength in, in general to produce more force to get higher, to get another half turnaround. Cause that's a lot of the times what I see is the issue is when jumps and leaps get harder, the leg strength typically doesn't have external loading. It doesn't have a programmed periodization cycle in the summer. It's just going and going. So like the leaps and jumps get harder, but the kid's strength profile doesn't get better alongside of it because they're not lifting. They're not doing a nice comprehensive program. They're not training this elasticity and force together. So the problem is that they keep doing harder jumps and they can't make progress. So what do they typically do? They just do more, more volume, more jumps, more circuits, more yeah. leaps. And the thing that breaks down is the kids' joints, right? Like their joints can't handle the volume of jumps and leaps and active flexibility because you're just, you're pulling up this, right? But not increasing their capacity to do so. So I think, and Duash, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if you have the time, I would really focus on developing the external loading. It sounds like you haven't really done some of the external loading with the weightlifting and stuff like that. So doing a good cycle of like, you do not need to do a lot twice per week is really all you need with a little bit of a, a program. Like you'll see in the course is split. So like squat and deadlift on opposite days, split squats, right? Step-ups, accessory work, um, single leg RDLs, like just kind of fill in a basic program with, with moderate volume, not even that crazy heavy. And because they've never done that before, they're going to get a huge training effect right? They're going to get a huge return on investment because they've never done that before. Like strength comes from force or from some of that velocity. As Duesh said, you have crushed the velocity side of the bucket with training gymnastics against body weight. So if, if you give them a little dose of external loading, I bet you'll go through six weeks where they're like, oh my God, I'm kind of tired and sore and my jumps feel like crap and I'm not really going anywhere. But if you just let it be patient and you'll get through to the end, when you get on the other side of a six to eight week cycle and you give them a deload, then come back and work some of their jumps and leaps. You'll be like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Because you'll be training the force part of it, which, which they'll actually get a little stronger. Yeah, I think the, what I hear is that I know what to do and what to train and how to do it, but I'm not really good with periodization yeah. that, yeah, okay. that, that word uh, yeah. so yeah making like a, a really good schedule that i can follow and and going cycles i'm yeah. i kind of go too much with the flow i think i go with like how they feel right now so uh, if they if they have some injuries or if they are tired i i, I try right. to always ad adapt but maybe I, I follow that too much and not enough planning. 
Well, so that's, I, good. I think that's, that's good. That's good. That means you're like a that. kind. That means you're a kind, compassionate coach because people go the other way. Some people yeah. don't listen to the athletes and do. That's called auto regulation, which is a very good way to approach your training. Which is like you have a plan, but you're flexible based on how the kids feel. Some people go the other way. We're like, this is the plan, and you're doing it. So figure it out. Like that's that's not a good way to go. So, but it's okay. Let's make let's make it for you now. Like that's the point of this. Is like let's make your dream kind of situation come to life, which is like what you have in situation. So. I will kind of give you the bird's eye view. And this is kind of, again, as you go through the course, you'll see this, but for your specific situation, I, I'll tell you what I think would be best in terms of like the coaching side and how many days to break it up. And then Duesh can maybe fill in some gaps of like what he would do in the programs, right? So say, so you have four days now or five right now? You're in the summer or no? I, I'm four days and yeah. we have six weeks of that program right now. Perfect. I just began today, so. Perfect, this is amazing. This couldn't have come at a better time. <laughs> So with your, with it being four days, I would say you want to probably do two days of general kind of external loading and weightlifting type stuff like that, that has more general movements. And I would focus most of your eggs in that basket, right? And then the other two days, I would do uh, gymnastics specific training for the normal kind of stuff you would do, right? And so you'll have two days where within that you'll have your loading stuff. And then the other two days, which is where you'll have like gymnastics specific shaping and core and all that kind of stuff. You still want to do all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think within those four days, you can get both the general and the specific bucket. And just, you want to put more energy and time and effort into the general stuff. Cause it's new. They've never done it. They're going to be more tired. And I would probably say take a week or two to just learn how to do it properly. Like accept the fact that for two weeks, I always say it's like herding cats, right? You're not going to get them to probably do a, an effective training session because you're learning how to do stuff that's new. But then in four weeks, you could probably load them really well and then take a deload week. So if you go like two weeks of a ramp up, three weeks of going really, really aggressively to get them loaded and then take one week as a deload week, you can transition them into the next thing. So, you know, that's kind of like the bigger picture of periodization. I would say it's like, you're just in this block right now. So two weeks of learning, three weeks of loading them pretty, uh, pretty aggressively. And then one week of deloading and, and transitioning them to the next phase, but with two and two kind of side by side. So does that make sense? Kind of a, a starting point? Yep. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll let Duesh talk about what would go into those two days because um, he's better at it and it's probably better to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from a, from an organization and plugging in exercises standpoint, the way that I would do it is make sure one, they have a, pretty good warm-up system so this can improve uh include any like specific flexibility stuff that they might need to do um right or anything like that and then go into some a little bit more like general stuff right so this could be um like easy like skipping stuff um you know like high knee type stuff um you know anything like that to kind of get the the ankle and the knee joints going a little bit because we are going to be starting with a little bit more jumps right so have a thorough warm-up Yes. Can I stop you here with a question? Yep. We've been doing um, jumping rope uh, in our warm-ups because uh, the last years we've seen a lot of, um, you know, on the front of the leg, uh, in French it's periostite. Periostite. I don't know how you call it, but the um, problem on the front of the leg that hurts when you jump. Uh, so we've been seeing a lot of that and the, um, the physical Severs disease? disease, the knee that we're talking about. Uh, no, it's not the knee. It's really uh, on the, the front of the lower leg. Uh, oh, when... Shin spots yeah, probably. That's, that's it. So we've, we've seen a lot of that in the last years and uh, therapists with whom we've been working 
uh, told us that we could do a lot of uh, jumping rope just to make more jumps and um, elasticity and stuff like that. So would you suggest that we continue doing that or more um, like variety uh, into that? Question or answer, I should say. The first thing is that shin splints and all the things, shin splints, severs, and Osgoods comes from the exact reason that we just talked about, which is the jumps and leaps and the volume get more, but the strength and the underlying profile doesn't. So you're already going to make it better by just thinking in general about getting them stronger with external loading and weights and doing like weightlifting. So that's the first thing to think about is it's not so much that the jump rope will help them cure their shin splints. It's that when you pull down on the high, high load volume of impact and you do some lower impact stuff like jumping rope, you just condition the shins to handle impact, which is what the elasticity stuff of that Duesh is talking about. The pogo jumps, the hurdle hops are literally the exact same thing I give for rehab for shin splints, because that's the problem is that the gymnastics is here like their tolerance is down here, whether it's just, you know, they're growing or the skills are harder. So we use pogo hops and all the external loading and squats and deadlifts to build up their capacity to here. So in answer to your question, I wouldn't not do jump roping. I think it's a great way to maybe warm them up for some of their, like what's to come later in their plyometric program for their, for their block. I would just say, don't, I don't think you're doing this, but I think some people think, oh, shin splints, if we just jump rope, that'll make them go away. That's not the case, right? So yes, you're doing it right. But just remember that the context is important. The other thing I I want to add too is in in this session, we're talking about two days of practice. What Duesh is talking about is only going to be 45 minutes at the end of practice for your your strength and conditioning. You're still going to have a full general warmup where you can do- tons of stuff. So like, I think in an ideal world, it'd be like a 30 minute warm up with, you know, soft tissue stuff and some, yeah. some light running and jogging and all that and, and kicks and dynamic warm up. You could do some plyos in the beginning to get them ready for like the events you would have full events. And then you would have this at the end. So his warm up is like a, a 15 minute chunk of this 45 minute section within a large three and a half hour practice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cause he's going to, he's probably going to talk about like some warm up and like elastic jumps and stuff like that. But I don't want you to think that this warm up is like the practices warm up. Yeah. Just like the end yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thanks specific for the strength conditioning piece. And then the, the last thing that I, that I will touch on with the, with the shin splints. Um, right. I think Dave nailed it. So again, it's, it's being able to handle the entire spectrum of what is required from like a, like a force absorption standpoint. Right. So the jumping, the jumping rope helps you get ready for that elastic component piece that's missing is probably the slow heavy force right so your athletes are probably going to benefit a ton from standing and seated calf raises that are done really heavy right so if shim splints is an issue i would say that in this strength conditioning program that we're building out that includes squats and all that stuff i would say let's let's make sure that we we plug in standing and seated calf raise variations too that are just done really heavy heavy and slow right we can't forget that so we'll we'll touch on that so yeah. So once we get through that, that warm up section, that's a little bit more specific to the strength conditioning piece. Again, like skipping, um, any like light hopping, um, any light bounding to get ready for it. Um, that'll work really well. Just make sure that it's done a little bit less intense. Right. And then right after that, the section that I would go into is a little bit more true power development. Right. So for this first six weeks, what I would do is day one of the week, right. Start with some sort of a seated dumbbell jump. And maybe pair that up with, um, you know, do you guys have med balls or anything at, at the gym? You do. Okay. So what you can do is um, 
I actually like doing this, especially with beginner athletes that haven't really done a whole lot of strength training. I like teaching them how to create a lot of force, but then also going the other way so that they know how to absorb force and decelerate almost that same motion, right? So I love pairing up like a seated uh, dumbbell jump and pairing that up with like a straight up overhead med ball slam going down to the floor, right? So the, the seated dumbbell jump takes you from um, triple flexion, we call it bending from the ankle, knee, and hip into triple extension, which is the opposite, extending through the ankle, knee, and hip. Um, this uh, med ball slam going down does the exact opposite of where you start in triple extension, being up on your toes and these straight hips all the way through, and then going down into a powerful position there, right? So those are two things that you can pair up. And then maybe on day B, what you do is maybe let's say we need to prioritize a little bit more single leg power. Maybe we'll do what we call a step-up jump. I don't know if you've seen that. Where you step one foot up on a smaller box and then propel yourself off of just one leg. So it's a single leg jump variation, right? So that's another one that is used uh, to create a little bit more force production. And then maybe pair that up with, you know, let's say that, um, you know, either shin splints or, you know, hips are still an issue. Um, you know, we can plug in something like that, like a heavy calf raise or some sort of a balance or stability drill. Or if we want to really focus on power, um, maybe we do like an overhead toss with a medicine ball, right. To keep working that triple extension. Um, but adding a little bit more of an upper body component as well. So that would be like the start to my power sections. If you want to keep this nice, short and sweet, that's all you need for like your power section, right? So, um, uh, um, jumps on day one paired up with a med ball drill some jumps and a med ball drill or a stability drill paired on day two, right? And then the, the the rest of it for me, I would say is make it, you know, very, very strength heavy. So well, thanks, Dave. That's perfect. Um, so this is, a, this is a little template that I wrote up for our course. Um, you know, you'll see that that 2A, 2B that you see on the reaction power section, right? So that was our, our closing power. So again, that med ball slam going down. Um, and then let's say our uh, seated dumbbell jump right below that. And then if we want to stick to this similar format here, that lower body plyo would just be like a, let's say, so on this day, I would actually do like a one leg pogo jump and keep it a little bit lower intensity at this phase because we're, we're focused a little bit more on the, the force and strength component, right? And then throw in whatever sort of core work or hip work or even ankle work that you want to do there, right? So that's, um, anything that you can really, um, you know, plug in as almost like a filler is what we call it to, to make sure that you get enough rest between the, the other two. Um, and then on day B, right. So we have that opening core power. So that would be an overhead med ball toss and pair that up with, I, for you, I would actually say, let's do a single leg, um, force production jump here, like a step up jump for, uh, to be. What, what do you want for this one? Sorry, I was I'm muted and I was talking to myself and I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for this, probably some sort of like a like a hip care or um, ankle care or stability drill, right? So that we don't keep crushing power, 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 and then they're so fatigued that they can't really um, give enough effort for the strength lift, uh, the strength portion. Um, yeah, side plank clamp is perfect. Um, and then on day two. Um, right. So we could do like a lateral two leg pogo jumps. So again, working a little bit more plyometric, but we're adding a little bit more of a coordination piece. We're adding in a little bit more stiffness in different planes. Um, and then for three B probably the same thing, like 
some sort of a hip um, hip cuff or lateral core or ankle care. Um, yeah, goblet toe taps, something like that is perfect. And Emily, we have videos for all these kind of things online too, so we can make sure we link up videos for all this stuff for you. Perfect. And then the this the biggest piece is going to be our resistance section, right? So this is where I would spend like the the remaining thirty minutes that hopefully you have after going through your warm up and you know spending about fifteen minutes on the on the reaction power stuff. Um, so I would do for your beginners. You know, I'm sure you, you don't have like a crazy crazy gym that you have access to, but um, some squats, you know, sets of maybe eight. If your if your people haven't really been doing a whole lot of weightlifting, I would say six to eight and loaded pretty heavy, right? As long as they they start to look good, um, if the form looks good, start challenging them a little bit more. Um, and then on day B, um, some sort of a um, RDL or kettlebell deadlifts or whatever you have access. To. If you only have dumbbells, just do dumbbell RDLs. If you have access to kettlebells, like a kettlebell deadlift off the floor is a great way to build starting strength. Um, and then for, for again, 1B, again, this is somewhere you can be a little bit more creative as a gymnastics coach. You can say, all right, I need to build anti-extension strength. Maybe I'll do, um, you know, for us, it would be something as basic as like a, like a plank with like an arm march, right, where we set up in a forearm plank, we reach arms forward, um, and that creates, you know, gravity forces you to have to art, or want to arch your back a little bit more and you're trying to stay hollowed. Want to go like that. wall press dead bug maybe? Yeah, we can do wall press dead bug, nice and simple. And then, then day B, um, we can do like a dead bug to play pullover if we want to stick to like really true anti-extension and get something a little bit more specific for and overhead. Also, um, keep in mind that and then that Keep in mind, we're going to do core every day, probably in every warm up. So, like th these core things are very specific to the general stuff that 90% of gymnasts aren't doing in their warm ups or like on side drills and like during their normal conditioning days. So, there'll be like tons of other core stuff that you'll do the rest of the week. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, and then for 2B, I, I would honestly, for, for you guys, it sounds like they're a little bit more beginner on the strength training. I would go one leg hip lift. All right, keep it nice and simple. If you if you want to weight it a little bit, you can hold the dumbbell right up at their at their hip. Um, you know, we've been using. I don't know if you guys have TRX straps. We've been using TRX straps um, hooked on to a couple of kettlebells, um, and the kettlebells almost just drape off to the side. We have a video showing that in the course too. Um, and then pair that up with maybe some sort of like a weighted push up. Um, throw a plate on there, or if you have access to dumbbells again, like a floor press laying down on the ground just a dumbbell you know above your chest um, and then finish off with some sort of a single leg squat off of a box for that squat pattern um and that 3b or 3a rather sorry um and then like a trx row here for for 3b or you know band row on a kneeling position or standing position um, and then if we go over to day b uh, that lunch pattern, I would keep it very simple. Again, for beginners, I like to go just like a goblet to holding a kettlebell or a dumbbell up here by the chest, keep it nice and close to you, split squat. So just already in that lunge position, and we don't even have to go back and forth from it. Just go straight up and down, keeping your weight mostly on that front leg. Um, that's a big one to keep in mind because for a split squat or a lunge, we're trying to load more so that front leg. So just weight shifting forward into that front leg and just going straight up and down on a split squat. Um, and then maybe pairing that up with like a band assisted pull up or, you know, a band pull down, um, whatever makes sense. 
uh, for the advanced athletes, like the level nines, tens that you have, the 16, 17 year olds, maybe do the pull-ups for the younger kids that, you know, you want to save some of the, the strength work for some of the skill work that you're doing. Maybe have them do a pull down with a band. You think uh, um, eight here, Duesh, 12 seems aggressive. Oh yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Probably, probably eight on each side or eight total if you're doing a pull up. Um, and then for the horizontal press here, I would, I would do um, some sort of like a bilateral. So both arms working at the same time, make it a little bit more specific um, or, and here's kind of where I differ my thoughts a little bit for my more um, for my more advanced athletes. I would probably actually do like a vertical press here because I can trust them that they can maintain a really good torso position, uh, meaning they can maintain that hollow position and not cheat through their lumbar spine. Um, if it's a beginner, that's probably one of the more tougher things to coach for a younger athlete. They tend to really default into that arch. That's just where they're more comfortable. So I don't mind doubling down on a horizontal press again and maybe do another weighted push up or a dumbbell floor press. Um, but for the advanced athlete, I would, I would go vertical and then lastly um this is where i would love to throw in like a suitcase carry so you get a little bit of grip out of it and you get to build a little bit more lateral core so you're just resisting um side bend there which is also in the context super important for single leg jumping and landing right like the mm -hmm. lateral hip is one of the more overlooked things to like you know why do you fall off beam like whether you're either like completely off or if your leg can't keep you stable because your hip drops off to the side so super important one yeah, so something like this for, for your specific girls, um, that this will probably take care of, you know, that missing force components. I'm willing to bet you that if you do a program that's pretty similar to this for the next six weeks, um, and maybe if they're pretty smoke, like Dave said, uh, take a deload on that last week, um, this will probably start to give you a little bit of an improvement in, in your jump height. Mm-hmm. And then I'll send you this template too, Emily, because on this side, I've made, Duesh made the general templates. I made templates for practice. So like this okay. is your like general warm up, do some lines, like whatever you want to do on the events and side stations for drills. And then I have like for gymnastics specific stuff down here, you can fill in lower body, upper body core for whatever you think is really good for them to work on. That's very specific to gymnastics, right? So like I might have somebody do some um, very specific like panel mat plyos or some snap down rebounds like that way, or like some in and out panel mat jumps, which are more the velocity side in the spring, but just creating body tension. And then up here, it'd be much more like, you know, specific to the actual stuff, right. Or cast handstand and then core V ups and all that kind of stuff. So I would say, I mean, you and I could probably have a two hour discussion on our favorite gymnastic specific drills. And we do not need to teach you that because we have a, a bajillion of them online if you want to learn more, but I feel like you could knock this out because you already probably know exactly what you want to do for practice. So I would say spend some time learning and watching the videos for this kind of stuff. Cause like this will take you a week to learn how to teach these things and feel comfortable. And like, if you just like look at the sections of the course, if you don't have time right now, just look at the lower body, like squatting and hinging stuff. And then kind of the, you'll have this program to work with just because Duesh walks through in the course, like, okay, how do you cue a squat? How do you screw a split squat? What do you do if someone's ankles are really stiff and they can't squat low safely, you put them on heel elevation. So maybe just watch the lower body section of the course real quick and kind of get yourself up to speed to watch these kind of things. Cause you could honestly implement this program tomorrow. Like you could literally start teaching them this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then this whole first week, 
just know it's not going to be super productive and it's going to be hard. But then next week, you could actually start getting the ball rolling and then you'd have those three weeks where you could actually load them up really, really well. So take this, uh, and which we'll, we'll put in the Dropbox folder as well. And then we'll send this to you. And then you can look at the videos and then fill this in as well about, okay, like what events do I have for the four days this week? And what do I want to do in warm up? What do I want to do for like lines and kicks and jumps? What events do I have? What side stations and drills can I do? What do I want to do for my programming on these two days? You only need two days here for this strength component. So yeah. like it'll be... Monday, this will be a, a strength day with Dewey and then your third day. And then this will be a strength day with Dewey. And that's kind of something we should have mentioned too. It's I would suggest your first day is a medium day of the gymnastics specific stuff. Your second day is a harder day of the general stuff with Duesh because that's going to be very high intensity for them. And then the third day is another medium day for gymnastics. The fourth day before they have a couple of days off on the weekend is the second hard day that Duesh does because that's going to by far and away be the more stressful thing for them to do versus like the other way around. So for these next six weeks, I would prioritize the strength stuff that Duesh just talked yeah. about and then kind of leave this, but you're going to have, you know, awful day, all four days of events. I would put core in every warm up. I would put flexibility in every warm up, and obviously stuff like that. But I think that would be probably a better way to go about it. And you don't really need the active flexibility as much because you said it looks like it's pretty good, but just understand that they're going to be a little stiff probably for the next couple of weeks as they get used yeah, sure. to the new program. Trying to do more specific also with the things we're working on. So if we do more jumps, we'll go like more calves and um, hips and whatever to to make the flexibility more uh, adapted to what we've been working on. Yep. But yeah, with everything that I've seen is like, it's not new. I think my problem is that I, I just want to be more original and always changing and I don't fall into routine. So I, I think it's just for me to see that it's important to follow a certain program and stuff. So um, I think it's going to be really a good test this summer uh, yeah. to, to see how it works for them. And then we can do more of that during the season. So yeah, well, I think you honestly, you're halfway there. Like you really have the ideas down. You just need a roadmap. You just need some structure and an outline to get you there. And I think this is this is not your fault. This is a this is human nature, but definitely gymnastics is they always think change this new drills, new exercises, new leaps, new jumps. I saw this on YouTube. This looks cool at a Congress and they keep throwing new stuff at the athletes versus just sticking to the basics and doing those really, really well. And this go, this is the same problem that people have with skill training, right? Is like, they want to learn. I don't even know. They want to learn your right? And they have like five drills. They really like that are really effective. They teach them for one day. They use them for another day. And then the third or fourth day, they're like, oh, these are boring or the kids are getting boring. And so they move to another set of drills, right? And there's nothing wrong with a bunch of different drills that work on the same thing. But if you keep constantly changing the drill, the kids don't learn how to do it well and they move on. They don't get it and they're confused, right? Like you have to kind of stick to super done, super well done basics every yeah. single day for like three to four weeks to get a training adaptation. It's the same thing with strength and conditioning. Like we know that squats and deadlifts and lunch uh, lunges and step ups and stuff will get you stronger. Right. So like maybe you could do a goblet split squat one day or a different version of a split squat. You could start to change the elevation in a couple of weeks. You could do some different stuff to not make it so monotonous, but at the same time, you know, we kind of know with literature, what makes your legs stronger and we should probably follow that for most of it. Right. And so I would say, yeah, stick to it for six weeks and see how they go. I also would say, try to get some measurements. Like I said, have them all do seated dumbbell jumps and then have them all do a reactive depth jump to just drop off and jump as high as they can and do some stiffness measurements and just see pre and post if you notice a difference in the objectively their jumps and their leaps 
but then also if you see a difference in their in their metrics because when they see that they're like oh my jumps and leaps feel higher and they're easier and they look prettier and i'm also jumping higher like i think they're bought in more and so i think i would start with some pre-test stuff and then i would go through the six weeks then i would do some post-test stuff yeah. good idea and then one one thing that is just i think a nice reminder that i this is actually something that i tell my interns all the time right because I, I take on interns that are very wide-eyed they want to learn all this stuff they you know they look at all this stuff online they see a bunch of stuff on instagram on youtube and stuff the question that i always ask when it's time to make that new program and you want to throw new exercises in there is is this new exercise better than that old one that you're doing is it is it definitely better is that the best option right because if it's not guess what there's nothing wrong with sticking with the same stuff like to give you an example like my my gymnast will do a goblet squat until they run out of a dumbbell that they can't hold anymore you know like once they once they get to a 95 pound dumbbell squat here right obviously they can't hold anything heavier because it's just so big that's when i give them the new one right that's when i give them a barbell in their hands right for a lunge it's like well you can hold a dumbbell by your side really really heavy for a long time right why do we need to do something way way more fancy if that same thing is going to make you stronger Right. I think it's more easy to accept like with the drills I, I've been learning a lot and and saying like we'll keep the drills that we know are working and we work this way but with the the PP it's like uh, the culture around it was like a punishment before for them so uh, mm-hmm. we've been trying to change that but to change that we made it more fun and to make it more fun we make it like a, a little bit like different every day so now that the culture has changed i think i can get back to the basics and stick with it more um, for my Mm -hmm. athletes more than the the younger ones Mm -hmm. but yeah i'll definitely uh, try that and make the test that's gonna bring a lot of motivation also and that's such a point you mentioned that and sorry to ask to jump in real quick but the when we did this when we added this this is brand new to our gym five six years ago no one had lifted it was very parents were very against it the kids didn't know what we thought was going to be one of like the pulling teeth points of their program was the most fun and we just i literally just filmed the podcast with three of our former gymnasts talking about this they loved the strength stuff they loved the new stuff the lifting because it was different than boring gymnastics stuff all over again it was one of the favorite things that they did because it was exciting it was new they could work in groups together and pump each other up it was really really enjoyable for them to do so i think that that would be you know something that's actually a, a highlight for them these two days a week that are new and different yeah. there's like another circuit or another flexibility complex yeah i think it's more my mindset that i need to change them theirs <laughs> like they're gonna be all in for that so Kudos to you because jumping off yeah. the cliff with the unknown is tough. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else on your mind related to this or I don't, I don't want you to leave and feel like you didn't get your questions answered or that you're overwhelmed or something. Well, or anything I would maybe go uh, more specific for the one leg leap uh, that we do. Uh, I think I might have a little problem explaining or understanding them like the, they run and then the the movement that they do to start the leap i i think it it gets them a little a lot of uh, propulsion like they go really far and i have a problem to translate that to the height Mm -hmm. and i guess it goes with the the strength also but maybe something um in the way i explain it to to like make it 
stop to bring back the rebound or I, I, I struggle with my words, but yeah, you're good. the same Always kind good. of thing that you do for doing like a, a front tuck, you, you just explain them how to punch to make it right. look like you're going backward. But the, the leaps, I have, I maybe struggle with that. Do you have a, some things that you tell your gymnast yeah. to make them work better with the height instead of the length? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the first piece of it is that, I mean, every program needs a squat and a hinge, right? It needs a, a good double leg squat and a good double leg hinge. But the piece about this is, is that kind of with your program, we already did it and you could tweak it even a little bit more is just add more single leg strength focus into it. Right. So like adding in a single, like what is that first jump off the floor? It's a half squat. It's a half single leg squat, right. To jump as high as you can off one leg. So by doing step ups and step downs and RDLs, you're going to develop the hamstrings, the glutes and a single leg weighted hip lift. Like Duesh said is one of the best things that most gymnasts are not doing because we're so good at developing the quads. And a lot of people will do hamstrings with like physio ball or sliders, but nobody is doing direct glute max training for a single leg hip lift. And you know, Brett Contreras and other people have argued like that's better for horizontal force displacement, but you still need that for vertical power. So I think that's the most important first is realizing that I think right now you're trying to cue somebody out of something they physically can't do because they're not strong enough, right? So like if you're saying jump higher or stop your momentum or push up as high as you can, there's only so much that they can ascend yeah. into what you're asking them to do before it plateaus. And this is another problem I see in the gymnastics community is we just make the box jump higher and higher and higher and say, jump, 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 or put more panel mats up on their leap drill and say, jump, jump, jump. But like they physically can't jump higher. Like they're trying as hard as they can to push into the floor and jump as high as they can. And the physiological limiter is the bottleneck, right? They're not strong enough. So I think that's the first thing to do is yeah. kind of take yourself off the hot plate, right? Because you're saying like, what can I say to make them better? I'm doing all the drills. It's just, it's physiological. You need to get them stronger. So I think that's the first thing to realize is by doing squat and hinge and then single leg RDL, like Duesh said, step up, step down, single leg hip lift by just doing that for four weeks and then literally doing the exact same drills with the exact same cues you're giving now, they're going to get better because they're stronger, right? That's just physiology. So that's the first thing. That being said, I do think just like front and back tumbling, you have to think about the position of their shoulders in relation to their feet, right? If that kid runs and hits the springboard of the floor and their shoulders are tipped over their feet, you can say whatever you want. They're not going to go full. They're not going to go any more, you know, full, up versus forward. So I think I'm personally a fan of creating drills that you don't need to have perfect cueing for it to go well. It's called constraints. You just put a block setup where they're going to take one step onto a panel mat maybe, and they're going to skip straight up in the air versus going over something, right? And I think that's important to remember is like, take a panel mat and then put another spotting block in front of it, not for them to jump onto, but just so they literally can't go any, any farther forward. So put a gob like a um, panel mat on the side, uh, like this way and a spotting block on its side and just say, put one foot on the front of this panel mat and skip as high as you can. Don't worry about a leap. Don't worry about, you know, jumping over this. Don't worry about clearing it. It's just like a skip, a step up, skip jump. We would do in our plyo program or in our performance program and just do that. Just do that for like a couple turns. And then once they do that, move the, the mat back away and do the exact same thing and then add a leap on top of that, right? So you're separating the chunks of what needs to happen. Get off the floor, then do your leap, which is oftentimes, especially on beam, is like cheat the corner, rush as fast as I can, right? So like work on just the steps prep for the skip. And then once they get there, say, okay, now don't lose the skip jump, 
now add in whatever you're doing like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably a better way to do it than trying to find the perfect cue or shoulder or eye position. Like that stuff's important. But if you just put them in a position where they can't, you know, do anything to get away with it, um, I think that's going to be better. Like doing them in hoops is another great example too. Like take the small preschool hoops and say, you have to like literally take off and land in the hoop. So like, that's the goal is to step and take off and land in the hoop off the panel mat. And I think when we, when we moved away from, just make it higher, just make it harder, just keep doing more different new drills, like switch leaps up to resis or stuff like that. What we got were things that looked like they were the right thing. And then when they actually went over to the actual floor, it didn't show up. So I would, I would just, again, like the bigger picture here is like develop the pieces first to make them be able to jump higher, which is the first hour. But then from there, let's try to strip out, you know, the jumping versus the leaping. Perfect. Thank you. Problem. Makes sense. I think now that you have this in mind, when you go through the course and just peek around a little bit, you'd be like, oh, okay, this makes a lot more sense and it will yeah. help a lot more. But I know you're, you're tight on time. So yeah, well, I'll, I'll do it this summer because I want to bring that up in September and start doing that. So yeah, I'll do that for sure. Fantastic. Um, anything else we can do for you or no? That's great for me. Thanks a lot for taking your time. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah, no problem. And don't be a stranger, right? Like you're in the, you're in the discussion group and you have, you know, emails and stuff. So I don't want you to like do this, then be lost forever. Like reach out to me and do Ash on HQ or post in the forum and let us know how you're doing. Cause we would like to see the progress. If you get four weeks down the road and you're like this, 80% of this makes sense, but this is really confusing. I don't know what I'm doing or like something seems off. Like, please let us know because we just want you to, you know, obviously do well. This is not like a, okay, good job with your console. Go away. Like we actually want you to be, yeah. Okay. So don't well, feel thanks don't a lot feel, for that. Don't feel worried to reach out or, or email and stuff like that. Perfect. Thanks a lot. All right. Sounds good, Emily. Right. Thank you. It's nice to Bye. meet you. Have a nice day. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.